Hi, everyone. Today, I'm interviewing Patty. She is an amazing entrepreneur and she is in, uh, for me personally, I read her website and all the beautiful things and she is a big inspiration to me. Patty established her business back in 2006 and she brings this absolutely unique perspective to this complex issue about women in business. Me being a woman in business, I know all about that. And she also helps women to grow and scale their businesses. Her mission is to turn roadblocks into building blocks, empowering other women. How fantastic is that? I've spent the last two years learning from industry experts and successful business owners, going behind the scenes to discover what makes these entrepreneurs successful. Follow along with season eight of Unleash Focus podcast, where I dive in deeper than ever before, unlocking trade secrets, discovering what makes these entrepreneurs successful, but also really understanding their habits, frameworks, blueprints, secrets, and so much more. I also ask one important question, and that is how they have grown and scaled their business to a million or more. I'm excited that you are here and I can't wait for you to apply these strategies so you can become successful too. Welcome to Unleash Your Focus podcast, the number one place that will help you to start, grow and scale your online business today. Hi, Patty. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. We've been trying to do this for a few months. So this is really, really awesome. Can you please tell people a little bit about you? Where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Sure. So I'm based in Houston, Texas, and I actually grew up in a very small city in South Texas called Corpus Christi and uh, moved to Houston. I've been in Houston now about 35 years. So that takes getting used to because I came from a small city to a gigantic city, but uh, Houston has a lot to offer. So it's worth it. That is so, so cool. Have you always been an entrepreneur or how does, how did your company come about? So the interesting thing, I, everyone in my family is entrepreneurial as I was growing up and I had a company uh, when my children were very small and I was a political consultant and a lobbyist and had that company for about eight years. I loved it. It was fascinating and I'd never do it again. However, I might still be doing it today, except that I had a surprise divorce. I had three little kids at home and I realized pretty quickly that I was on my own. So I needed to have health insurance for my kids. And the only way to do that was to get a job. So I closed my business and went to work. So I think when we start our careers, we think it's going to be a straight line and it almost never is. And that was certainly a lesson that I took away from that. And that journey led me here. So I went to work at an international school as director of development, and then I became director of operations. And I did that for a little over eight years, waiting for my kids to get older and more independent. And one of my big frustrations with my political consulting business was that I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know how to find resources that could help me grow and scale my company. And I quickly realized as a woman business owner, we face challenges that the guys are not dealing with. And we have a lot of competing priorities. So I wanted to become that resource for other women business owners. Once I had that experience in finance and operations at the international school, I also wanted to bring those skills to the small business market. So So I started this company in 2006 
And it was to be that resource for other women business owners and to help them streamline operations, improve their pricing, look at strategy and sales differently, and really help them grow their companies. That is so fantastic. And you know, the interesting thing is everything that you mentioned now that what you do in your business, those are things that I struggled with in the beginning in my business. And I know how important it is to have all of those things in your business, because if, you, if one of those links are missing or broken, you're not going to be successful. How did you come up with your strategy to provide all of that for, for small business owners or women in business? You know, it's interesting because I struggled with the same things. I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't know yeah. exactly how to price my services. And so I learned yeah. a lot. I would yeah. take courses. I would, but as I mentioned, I didn't really know who to trust. That's so hard. In terms of a business advisor. Yeah. And so I, I sought out advice from lots of different sources. Mm-hmm. I took courses. I learned how to do things. One of the things I'll say is when I'm teaching women how to price, it's yes. pricing for value. Because we as women undervalue ourselves and we underprice our services so much. And I've seen that is so pervasive, even very well-established companies that have been in business a long time that have a lot of business coming in. Even those companies, I think, are undervaluing what they're really providing. So that was the first thing I did was figure out how do you price for value? And how can I help other women do that? And then the next thing I figured out was I really disliked what I was being taught about sales methods. All of those methods were were very traditional, very corporate, very male. And as women, we have a lot of gifts. We're very intuitive and perceptive. And that can benefit us in that sales process Mm. but if we don't know how to use it it doesn't do us any good exactly so so that's really how that strategy of taking a holistic view of my client's company Mm -hmm. looking at all the different areas Mm -hmm. where they're doing well where they're struggling where the gaps are Mm -hmm. and then helping them figure out what they need to do next Mm -hmm. often it is starting with pricing and cash flow Yes. All the financial strategies. Yes. yes. Sometimes it's starting with employee issues. Sometimes they're understaffed. Sometimes they have too many people. Sometimes they need to fire someone, but they're really hesitant to do that. So I come in as their trusted advisor and help them with all those different pieces of their business. So in some ways that happened organically, mm-hmm. that I was able to help in so many different ways. And in some ways it was very intentional because I know that's what I was missing when I started my first company. Yes. Oh, Kathy. I want to keep saying Kathy. So we met, let me tell you guys this. So Patty um, got introduced to me by Kathy and I need to speak to her because I've been literally saying her name every, like ever so much this morning. So I interviewed Kathy about a few months ago. So we had problems with the video one, but she's on my actual podcast platform so I will drop a link to that and you guys can see why I just love Kathy so much Patty question so I personally when I I was in sales and marketing for probably 15 years on and off and my career corporate before I actually started my own business online which is about three years ago now and one of the biggest challenges that I faced in sales 
is that they taught us things like um, the Grand Cardone methods and the Wolf of Wall Street methods. And I really struggled with that. And I worked in a small business where um, we did a lot of cold calling and we actually called call for charity, like a charity fundraiser company. And I'm not going to go into the details because people will know about this. It's quite popular. But they taught us Wolf of Wall Street, Wolf, what was it? Wolf of Wall Street methods. And I couldn't do that. Like I just felt like I was pushing myself onto these people on the phone. And I ended up doing a lot of sales, going completely off script and just speaking to the people, like actually having a conversation and not trying to push this sale down their throats. Do you find as of a woman point of view, if you follow your intuition, I know you did say that, you know, we've got intuition and we're just natural at least. I think we're natural at something, but anyway. Um, but then you have the society basically saying to you, like, no, this is the right way to do things. Did you kind of wait like, no, this is not the right way to do things. We can do things better. And did you start doing your own method in teaching women how to sell? Yes. Yes. And that's very much um, what I find. And again, because I've worked with so many women business owners, yes. I see lots of different examples yes. in lots of different industries. That's so so all of the companies that I work with are service companies yes. and the women are typically experts in their industries. Mm-hmm. So there's that commonality, but they're in all kinds of different industries. And, but I kept seeing the same effects over and over again. And one of those was that as women, we're really good at business development because that's about building relationships. That's what I found. Yes. Then we tend to stumble when it comes time to close the sale, sometimes yes. because we're not very confident and we don't want to ask for the sale. And sometimes we don't even want to use that language. We think of sell like a four-letter word. So because of that, we tend to avoid, right? So if I'm really uncomfortable or my anxiety goes up because I'm in the middle of a sales process, I'm really likely to avoid that whole scenario. So true. And that is, there are so many parts of that that work against us. And then it keeps our companies very small. And if we're not pricing right, we're not profitable. So all of these pieces fit together like a puzzle. And I have this big sigh when I say pricing right. You know what, Patty? I still struggle to price my business right. I'm not joking. I actually had a, um, he's also in the Schaffen community. And we had a chat on one of my calls. And uh, I broke down in tears. I was so emotional in our group chat and I'm not scared to admit this because I know I'm not alone in, you know, in this, this struggle. And I, this is a few months. It was actually the end of last year. And I was just exhausted because I had these clients and I was working and I don't take on lots of projects at a time, but I was underpricing my services so much so that I couldn't employ enough people to help me with the project because, you know, it's just like I had to still trade money for time. Now I'm better at it, but that was my biggest, biggest issue because obviously he gave me a lot of advice and I took it on board. What is the advice that you would give somebody if they are struggling with pricing their services, right? How do you, how do you establish your value as a women business owner to do exactly that there are there are several things that i recommend yes but probably the simplest is sit down in a quiet spot and make a list of everything that qualifies you as an expert 
Good advice. When you see that on paper or you type it or whatever it is you're going to do and you yeah. actually see the long list of things that make you an expert in your field, you can then start to shift in how you are valuing yourself and how you talk about that value. We have a saying here in Texas, it's not bragging if it's true. So that's the biggest stumbling block that I see for women yes. is we think we're bragging yes. if we say positive things about ourselves. Oh, that's so and hard. again, that works against us, Yeah. right? So when you can take a step back, make a list of all of the things that you bring, and also include things like your network, your connections, your relationships, include things like um, volunteer opportunities, the places where you give back in your community. Yes. All of that adds up to your value. And that is what care, people care about a lot more than your education or your qualifications. Yes. And the example I often use is if you're an accountant, mm -hmm. you have valuable skills and you have a great education mm -hmm. and you worked really hard to become an accountant. And it's often very complex, especially here in the US, our tax code is very complex. So often what accountants think is most valuable to their clients is their expertise, their education, the fact that they can answer their, their questions about yes. the tax code. Yes. And what I remind them is there are millions of other people out there who can do that. Yes. They can do the same thing. They can give advice. They can do your tax returns. What is it that makes you so special? And why should someone work with you? What is so valuable? And the truth is, it's your intuition, it's your perception, it's tuning into your clients and building those relationships yes. in addition to your expertise in your education. So that's the first thing I would recommend to your listeners is sit down and make a list. Yes. And I, the other exercise I often recommend, get with a trusted colleague who knows your business well, knows mm -hmm. you well, and you write theirs and they write yours. That's good advice. All the things that are valuable yes. because your colleague will put things on that list that you would not think of for yourself. That is so true. Because also you, you don't want to, like I say, feel like you're bragging about things. It's Confidence is a big, big thing. Even when I was in full-on sales, you know, being on the call, being confident, and even now doing sales in my own business. What is do you have a top tip for women to become more confident in what they do? Yes. And it's one of the things I teach. And that is when you have, when you can take some of the emotion mm -hmm. out of what you're doing. And the best way I have found to do that is have a structure or a framework or a process. Because when you have that and you consistently use it, then you're not freaking out that, oh, I have a prospect I need to talk to. What do I do next? Yes. You have a process and you know what to do next. Yes. And that will build your confidence. And then the other thing is practice. So when I hear women who say, oh, I just wasted my time with that buyer, with that prospect, and I remind them, you're not wasting your time. You're practicing. Yeah. 
And if you can look at every activity as practice and experimentation and innovation, then all of that helps to build your confidence because you're really practicing. Yes. So it doesn't mean that every buyer who comes to you is an ideal buyer. And it doesn't mean you should take everyone that comes to you. Yes. But practicing is a good thing. Definitely. And it, it, it is the, I, like I had to do so much practicing in my business with certain things that I never thought I would have done ever in my life. So yeah. very, very true. Okay, so obviously being a business owner and especially being a women's business owner, it is there's challenges and a lot of them. What has been your biggest challenge that you faced in the last few years? So I have a wonderful advantage right now in that yes. all of my kids are grown. That's good. And <laughs> yes, so, you know, I, I really poured myself into my kids and raised them and helped them all get through college or graduate school and, and launch their careers. And so I'm in a really great place at this point where my time is my own, right? But for 20 years, that wasn't the case. Yes. And always competing priorities. So, you know, helping the kids with things. And of course, yes. there's three of them. So they outnumber me. And, and dealing with competing priorities inside my company in terms of how I want to grow and what programs to develop and how I want to use my time and energy. Yes. So figuring that out, I did that probably about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I got really comfortable with what I wanted my days to look like yes. and how I wanted to be productive, right? How did I want to make money? Yes. And that's what I mean by being productive. I know. Yeah. How did I want to make money? And how did I not want to do that? So as that became clearer for me, and I created a vision of what I wanted down the line, yeah. then I could start working towards achieving that vision. So that actually has all worked out really well. Probably my biggest challenge right now is still competing priorities, just that it's it's shifted. Yes. So now I spend more time helping my mom than I do my kids, yes. right? So, but I'm part of that sandwich generation between raising kids and taking care of elderly parents. Yes. So it's still competing priorities. It's making sure that all my clients are well cared for. Yes. I have private clients and I also have group coaching clients. I call it the revenue roundtable. Nice. And Good then night. I have online, I have online programs as well. So again, still competing priorities and making sure that I stay on track yeah. with what is bringing in the level to meet my revenue goals. Yes. And at the same time is bringing me great joy and is as helpful to my clients as I can be. Yes. So uh, being very responsive, being accessible, yes. making sure that when they have a problem, they can reach me. Yes. That's my role is to help nice. them solve those issues. Yes. Yeah. I completely and 100% when you say competing priorities, I'm like, oh, this is so me. And it still currently is because I've got two small kids. I've got a just recently turned four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And my time is not my own. And then I would speak to friends that have either no kids or grown-up kids. I'm like, oh, yeah, this and this and this. And I'm like, 
where do you find the time? And I'm very organized with my time. I'm very structured with what I do every day. I've got a journal that I'm, you know, I'm very intentional with my time and still yet I struggle to get some things done because, you know, you can only really do so much in five and a half hours because that's basically when my kids are, that's the time I have when my kids are in school and in kindergarten. So what was, how did you overcome that? Because did you feel like, this is too much for you? Do you reach like stages in your business or you did before when it's like, this is like, how do I do this? How do I actually get over this competing thing with time? Sure. I think all of us, male, female, it doesn't matter how old you are. I think we all deal with that. And we're in a much faster paced world than it was years ago. So definitely. and, And also we have so much information coming at us. There's noise, lots of noise. Yes, lots of noise, lots of distractions. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that that creates a problem around is focus. And that's one of the things that I see with the business owners that I work with Yes. is it is really a huge challenge to focus and to make decisions when you're not under pressure. Yes. So that was something that I learned early on. Yeah. When I make decisions, feeling very pressured about something, those decisions often are not very good. They're not serving me very well. That's so true. And so I have to take a step back or a step to the side and give that more time, even if I'm feeling pressured. So that's something I realized pretty early was my decision-making abilities are compromised. If I'm being pulled in many directions, it's harder to think clearly, and it's harder to make that good decision. Yes. So again, going back to the list where you make a list of everything about you that's valuable and valuable to your clients, same concept here. I would make lists of my competing priorities. Yeah. And I would put them in a quadrant, what I call an impact table where one quadrant is high impact, low effort, right? And those are the things I would focus on first. Yes. Things that were high effort, low impact, I would realize I shouldn't be doing those at all. Yes. <laughs> right? And so yeah. being able to add some structure to that and make some decisions around it was really helpful for me. Yes, I completely agree. And I, I did a time management thing back when COVID was actually, you know, when the whole world went to lockdown that March, April period. And um, there is a quantum um, also that says high priority, low priority. And basically saying that this is what you should do. If, if this is on your list, you shouldn't even be thinking about it. It's not important. And it's very important when you list things out like that, you can actually see where you're wasting your time, literally, because it's things that you yeah. should not be doing. And that is scary to see how much time you literally throw in a dustbin. And it's sad because a lot of people don't realize that they do it. If you don't take a time check and say, okay, I'm actively going to think where am I spending my time? You're going to struggle. You really are. The podcast is called Unleash Your Focus for a reason, because I want to, the reason I started that and the reason I called it Amnesia Focus is because I want to get people to actually focus on things exactly because of the six minutes attention span and so much noise out there. So Pat, I'm going to ask you, do you journal and do you meditate? Because those are the two questions that always come up. And it's, it's interesting to see people's perspective on, do they do that? And how do they do that? 
So I don't journal mm -hmm. and uh, I'm a voracious reader. I love, love to read. Yes. And I'm never without a book. So when I want quiet time, I'm reading. Nice. I'm not journaling, although I have in the past, yes. but I'm not currently, and I don't feel a need to do that. I do meditate. I wish I could say it was on a regular schedule, but it's not. But and I also have other methods that I use. Often to when I'm what I call come back to center, that I that have some apps and I'll that? listen to not meditation apps. So coming back and to that center is something that deal with anxiety I, and or if I'm feeling my agitated kids when they were very little and they would get upset about things. And certainly now when I would there is no normal help them realize that it was you know we're still dealing with the pandemic and it's still where all the legs are going everywhere, right? It's yeah, hard to find a truth, <laughs> right? And so it looks out of control. That, I use yeah. meditation. It the when octopus I'm is in control, agitated. Right? They're in control of their legs. But to us, um, <laughs> but to us as an observer, it looks out of control. And that's what I would help my little tiny kids understand: is it feels like everything's out of control. It feels yucky. But if you come back to center, yeah. if you stand here and if, and if you feel in your core, inside of you, you can come back to center and then things don't feel so out of control. And that was something I think was really helpful to my kids. It was always helpful to me. Yeah. And even now that they're grown, we sometimes talk about coming back to center. And that is about focus. And if you want to reach your goals, focus is focus and discipline are the two most important parts of that. Yes, I so agree completely. And it's so, and I love that topics because without focus and discipline, you literally cannot be successful. And I always say this and I stick to it. So how do you, what's your method of coming back to center? What is the thing that you do to get there? So it's different for everyone. And yes. your challenge is to figure out what yours is, okay. right? So I can tell you what mine is. Mine yes. is typically music. Sure. And so I, when I listen to music, or if I go out for a walk and I'm listening yes. to music, that, and you've probably experienced this, your whole, your thinking, your feeling, everything changes when you yes. listen to music. Yes. So for me, that is a way that I come back to center. When my daughter was little, I have two boys and a girl. And when my daughter was little, she really, really struggled with this concept of she felt out of control. And so that meant everything was out of control. And I yeah. was trying to help her understand your feeling doesn't necessarily translate to the fact that things are out of control. Yeah. So we're going to work through that. One of the methods for that was she used to love root beer float. And, you know, that's ice cream with, with root beer. Soda, yeah, yeah. And with soda, exactly. Yeah. And so in order for her to come back to center, I would say to her, let's go get a root beer float. And now she's 31 years old. And we still get around about that, that when she's feeling that sense of agitation, which we all do, right? But she is feeling that things are out of control, I will say. Let's go get a, a root beer float because that brings us back to center. And even using the words makes her feel better. So it's so like, the, no, sorry, you go. 
Well, I started to say, so the challenge is you have to figure out what method works for you. Yes. It's basically going to your happy place. Correct. Yes. Okay. I like that. That's very interesting. Huh. I never thought of, because my, my, my go-to method is um, putting my hand on my chest and just take deep breaths when I feel in that moment. But the yeah. best thing for me is just to go and take a walk just get out and yeah but it's not always possible if it rains so <laughs> to default to something that's quick and effective <laughs> yes right which is one of the reasons I like music yes because it does it's not dependent on the weather it can be any time any place that's so I can true. plug in yeah and so for me music is really centering and and I like the use of that word of, of getting centered yes because to me, that is, um, there's a support system there. I don't have to get centered by myself. So true. Yes. So, so true. Why do you, why do you contribute to your success? Is there one specific thing or a few different things that you feel has helped you to become successful? I think there are several things. I would say um, focus and discipline for sure. I love it. As you said, yeah. you know, you cannot be successful without those two ingredients. Yes, yes. But the other is, uh, I would say relationship building. I love connecting the dots. I love connecting people. I love what happens when people click, right? And that kind of energy that's created. Yes. So I think that is a big part of what I have built in my business. Yeah. The other thing is I didn't have a support system and I really felt the lack of a support system for many, many years. And over the last probably eight to 10 years, I've had a very intentional focus on building a support system for myself, for my company, yeah. and being a support system for other women business owners. And that's one of the, the motivations for creating the Revenue Roundtable, which is group coaching, yes. because then the, it's a support system for all the other women in that group. Yes. And so I will be building additional tables. And that's the whole concept is, yes, I teach. Yes, we do focus on pricing and strategy and yes. selling. Yeah. Yes, we do all of these things, but we also are there to support each other emotionally, mm -hmm. in business, mm -hmm. personally, um, and have that support system where we can refer to one another, we can maximize the use of different resources. Yeah. So there's all different ways we can help each other. And I, I think that's the strength of yes. that type of group. Definitely. I agree with you. And being part of, I'm part of two different groups that's like that. And I completely agree. And especially the emotional support, because it's hard building a business. You get to a stage where it becomes easier, but it's still, you still get dice where it's really, really hard. And if you've got people to reach out, it's like, I'm actually having an off day. My technology is not working da, 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 or something. And then that somebody saying, it's going to be okay. Just, you know, take a breath or something that actually makes a big difference. Um, and, okay. I, and I think a lot of women specifically go through a lot of, and I'm saying, and I don't want to sound biased when I say this, but I feel like we don't really talk about the deep things. And I go, I know guys are like that too, but um, you don't want to feel 
I, I don't know how to explain this because a lot of times when, especially when you're in like big Facebook groups and just networking with people and so on, women don't want to feel like, seem like the lesser, you know, cause like, oh, I'm going to compete against this guy. Come on, I can do what he does. And you don't want to say that I'm actually struggling with this specific, specific problem because then they're going to go, oh, you know what, you can potentially just struggle with this because you're a woman. And sometimes women think like that. So it's not because they have a problem. It's because actually, well, you know, it could be seen that you're a woman and that's why you have this problem. And I came across that quite a few times where women have this perception about themselves, which is quite sad. Patty, yeah. do you guys teach any mindset in your group coaching or in any coaching yeah. that you do? Yeah. Do you find yes, that that's absolutely. a big part needed? Yeah. It is a big part needed. And um, so I'll give you an example around pricing. Yeah. When, when we start working on pricing and my program is called Value Driven Pricing. When we start working on it, the very first module is about shifting your mindset and how you feel about money. Everyone feels differently and thinks differently about money. It means different things to different people. That's so true. And because of that, we need to unpack that. When we start the program, we talk about how did you grow up? How was money handled in your house? Who paid the bills? who made the money? Were you a two income family or a one income family? How did you handle money once you became an adult? What was your first job? So we start unpacking all of those aspects of how you learn to handle money and what you like and don't like about dealing with money now. And it's, there are some really surprising things that come of that. Yes. And so we do a lot of work around mindset and how you can shift your thinking so that you understand. So for example, one of the things I talk about a lot is it's never about the money, It's never about the money. And when you're hesitant to increase your prices or build a pricing model that is different than what you currently do, all of that is head trash. That is stuff in your own head and it may have to do with how you feel about money. Yeah. It is not about what you're charging clients because it's never about the money. It's about the value to the ideal buyer. And if the ideal buyer yeah. values what you provide, even if they can't afford it, they will find a way. And you may have had that experience yourself. Yes. That's you want true. it badly enough, <laughs> you will find a way to make it happen. And that means it's never about the money. Yes. So yes, we do a lot of work around mindset. Oh, that is so awesome because it's so needed in any business to to do that. You know. Uh, okay. So the podcast is also for people that are sitting on the fence on starting a business, or they have a business and they're really, really stuck in their business and they're not sure where to go next. What advice would you have for somebody when they're sitting on the fence or they're just not sure where to go next in their business? What advice would you have for somebody like that? If you have, you know, people are in different situations when they start their businesses. Sometimes they have a full-time job. That's true. And they're starting a side gig. Yes. And that can give them some comfort because they'll have revenue, not revenue, but they have income coming in. And some people are out of work and they're starting a business because they need to generate that revenue. So those are different circumstances, of course. But I think the, the mindset and the thinking is really similar. And that's your leap of faith, right? So 
in my situation, I was a single mom with three kids. Yeah. I was working a very demanding job at this international school. I had a lot of responsibility and a lot of people who reported to me. And I, I loved the opportunity. It was really wonderful. But the question becomes, am I going to stay in this safe job and continue doing what I'm doing? Or am I going to take a leap of faith and take a chance, give up my nice, warm, cozy job and my nice, warm, cozy benefits and go out and create my own company? Yes. I always knew I was going to start my company again. For me, it was a matter of timing, right? I needed my kids to get a little bit older and more independent. And then I knew I was going to start my company again. And I had the experience of already having had a company. When you're starting from scratch and it's your first company and you're out of work and you need to take that leap of faith, my suggestion is start with much like we were talking about with the impact table, start with things that you know you have an expertise in, or if it's a product that you're developing or whatever it is, and start networking early. Start talking to people and start asking for advice. There are lots of people that will mentor you, that will share advice with you and will help you. People are very generous. That's true. If if you know who to ask and what to ask, right? No one wants to feel like you're wasting their time, (laughs) right? But if you go to someone and say, I'm very interested in starting this business and and here's why, I think there's a gap in the market or I think this is an underserved community, tell them why you want to do this and ask them if they would be your mentor. And would they give you guidance and let you ask questions? And again, people are very, very generous. So I think if there was somebody sitting on the fence, that's what I would suggest that they do first. Find a good mentor. That's so true. And it cuts down so much time than trying to figure things out, right? It does. Uh, one last question, Patty. How do you set goals? I have a big hashtag goals behind me. And there's a, yeah. and it's the reason for that is I coached a lot one-on-one before, not so much anymore, just because of time. And one of the things that came up very weirdly, because I didn't expect it, is that people naturally don't know how to set goals. They have this big plan, but they don't always know the steps to get there. What is your method of setting goals? So you've probably heard a lot about SMART goals. Yes. yes. Right? And SMART is an acronym. Yes. So... There's a lot of talk about that, but I will, I'll say that I don't think that's the best method. And the reason I say that is because what I see is in the first case, people avoid setting goals. They don't want to take the time. They don't want to put the yes. brain power into it. So they avoid it. Yes. If they do set goals, they may not achieve them. Just writing down your goals doesn't get you where you want to go. Exactly. You need those action steps. You need the action steps. Yeah. And you need accountability. So the way that I recommend for my clients to set goals is that we do it together. It makes it less painful for them 
because they don't have to create it all in their own heads. True. So I help them not only set those goals, but then to have objectives. So develop a business development plan is a specific objective. And then we have steps underneath that, what I call a strategic action plan. If you can't make it happen or you don't make it happen, the result is the same, right? And if you can't reach your goals, you're going to feel really frustrated and you're going to feel less motivated to do much of anything. You need wins. And so that's where accountability can be so valuable is yes, set your goals, but worry less about making them measurable. Worry more about being accountable. Yes. And have someone be your accountability partner. And you help them be accountable and they help you. And that way you really will reach your goals or you'll figure out if your goals aren't realistic mm-hmm. or you run into some kind of roadblock, then you adjust. That's what every good entrepreneur does. We experiment yeah. and we adjust. Yes. You have to have that flexibility in your business. It's just that you have right. to. Yes. And I completely agree with you with the smart goals, because if you st- especially when you start setting out goals, it's overwhelming to to actually use that process. And personally, I also don't use that. I have a journal that I write my goals on. I've got a board right here with action steps on this is what I'm going to do today to achieve that by the end of the week. And I've got 12, nine, six, three month goals and then action steps every day to how to achieve those. So it's simple, but it's effective. And sometimes it might take you longer to get there, but at least you will get there, you know, so that works. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Patsy, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Before we finish, I want you to have the opportunity to speak about your business. Where can people reach you? How can they get in touch with you to join your programs? Because it sounds absolutely amazing. Thank you. Uh, so the best way to reach me is through my website. Yes. And that's the block group, T-H-E, the block uh-huh. And you can also contact me on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people. When you contact me through the website and and you go to the website, you'll see that there are three business growth solutions. There's private consulting, revenue roundtable, and programs. And my signature program is called Value Driven Pricing. And that is to help women business owners price their services to reflect the real value. And uh, within the next month, I'll have a new program I'm launching called Painless Selling to Ideal Buyers, Ooh, and that is, that is a, uh, a program, very much what I was describing earlier, to help yes. women treat sales more like matchmaking yes. and create a process so that you don't have to recreate the wheel every time you have a prospect. Yes. And so I will have a series of programs and then, of course, Revenue Roundtable, and there'll be a new table starting this summer. So if you're interested in that, you can apply right on the website and I would love to hear from you and you're welcome to contact me with questions as well. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. And we will drop all the links on the bottom as well. So you guys will be able to just click on it and then you will be able to get in touch with Betty. And I strongly recommend it because it sounds fantastic what you do. And thank you for being such an awesome inspiration to so many 
so many women around the world. So I really appreciate your time on that as well. Thank you, Patty. I really appreciate you. And thank you so much for coming onto my show. This has been really fantastic. Your knowledge is off the chart and I'm very sure the audience can benefit a lot from you. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. This has been great. Thanks. Cheers.